You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Man, I don't know about you guys, but I am so excited to talk about this latest season of everybody's favorite Star Wars show. A show about a Mandalorian who adopts a gifted child, a child with a dark, mysterious past whose genetic makeup has huge implications for the galaxy. To stay safe, you know, they have to bounce from planet to planet, picking up some sketchy mercenary work, all while trying to stay one step ahead of the evil empire and their insidious clone scientist. I am, of course, referring to Star Wars, The Bad Batch. Uh, I mean, I don't know what show you thought I was talking about. I thought you were talking about Boba I, Fett. But, you know, it, it's kind of the same show. Am I right? You're you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it, I think it is interesting that we are seeing the post-Clone War story here, and it's very heavily about clones, at the same time we're seeing the post-Empire cloning story in this season of The Mandalorian. And this is the first time a show, two shows are airing at the same time, on the same day. Oh. I don't think... That's unintentional. No. I think that this is the unforgiving groundwork that these guys have to do to make Rise of Skywalker uh-huh, better. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like every time the EU uh, writers go to see a Star Wars feature in the theater, they just probably watch the screen and go, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to patch that together, <laughs> I'm aren't I? fix that. <laughs> uh, I mean, all kidding aside, yeah, there's some differences. I mean, you know, instead of a single Mandalorian father figure, you have multiple clones of a single Mandalorian father figure. <laughs> and the gifted child, rather than being an adorable plush doll with force powers, is a young female clone whose greatest superpower to date is the ability to speak in complete sentences. <laughs> yes, instead of a rubber doll, she looks like a wooden doll. That's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> oh, and one of them's animated. I guess that's a big difference. <laughs> Are they the same show? You know, no, is this something no. fresh and new, or is it just a clone of what we've seen before? Uh, to help me answer these questions and more, I, Marco, a ranking member of Clown469, <laughs> Uh, have assembled my very own Bad Batch of reviewers, TC. Happy to be here. And Doggett. Deformed clone Doggett. The last time we saw the members of the Bad Batch uh, in season one, they had narrowly escaped the destruction of the uh, cloning facility on Camino. That sucked because it was the only home they'd ever known. But the upside was that everyone in the Empire thought they were dead. Everyone except... Crosshair, their former squad mate, and the only Bad Batcher to uh, stay loyal to the Empire. Season 2 kicks off pretty much with them just, you know, doing what they were doing before, taking on uh, mercenary work for uh, the sketchy Sid. They are uh, the the A-team. 
They're the A-team. They're the and, A-team. you know, if you can find them and you can hire them, yes. uh, you know, the question is, uh, how long can their luck last? And how long will uh, Crosshair uh, take to realize that maybe sticking with the Empire wasn't the best decision? Guys. Are we the baddies? Oh, we're going to get there. Uh, guys. Season two, how did you feel coming into this? And uh, what are your general thoughts before we spoil the fuck out of this? By the way, we will give you our review and our final thoughts. But time permitting, we'll probably do a little uh, bit of a spoiler section towards the end. But I'll warn you way before that happens. Mm -hmm. Guys, uh, how did you feel about season two? My fun Saturday morning cartoon is still a fun Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> End of discussion. There you go. That's uh, so. Why don't you roll into your final thoughts, Doggett? Uh, <laughs> I, I very much did not expect to like this show as much as I'm liking this show. That it's a spinoff of the Clone Wars. It is set in the time period post Clone War and the building of the Empire. I don't know. I, I should have known that this was going to be good because it's in the hands of Dave Filoni and his creative team that gave us the Clone Wars and Rebels. And building out this mythology around this time period, it's fun. Doug just called it a fun Saturday morning cartoon. It is. There's some still, there are still some great, fun, light, fluffy, you know, just adventurous episodes. But every now and then, there are episodes, especially this season, that are so good that they are as good as the live-action shows. I mean, this is the closest to uh, Andor uh, that Star Wars has gotten in animation. Yes, yes. I, I don't want to oversell that if you loved Andor and the dark grittiness of that. This is still aimed at younger viewers. It's still an animated show for children, as Doggett said. It's your Saturday morning Adventure of the Week-style cartoon. But it does allow itself to go to some dark places. And without spoiling anything, we talked about this before we even started recording. This is kind of the Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. uh, of the franchise or or of the Bad Batch. Uh, season three has not been announced yet. I know Star Wars Celebration is next week or so. I'm sure they're going to announce it. But... Boy, they set themselves up for a season three. Uh, it would be a damn shame if they got canceled at this point. It would because be. It would be. This, this is really towing the line with not only, as TC said, tying up some of the loose threads that lead into the sequel trilogy, but also tying up some of the loose threads from the prequels. Because, look, I was there in 1977 when Star Wars first premiered. I didn't see any fucking clones. It kind of makes you wonder what happened to those guys. Mm-hmm. Don't they don't they age fast? They do. So they could all possibly just be old and dead by that point. That oh, is a major <laughs> which is sad. Uh it's super sad. And and but that is also I think one of the big themes in between all of these uh adventure of the week type stories. There is this recurring theme of like the clones post Order 66 are starting to think, well, what do we do now? I mean, they were loyal to the Republic. But now the Republic's gone. But now they serve the Empire. Mm -hmm. And likewise, they're all aging rapidly. And it's very clear that the Empire has no wish to keep them around. They don't want to continue the clone program. They're going to get decommissioned. What do you do with your life after your purpose is gone? Golf. That's heavy shit for a kid's show. It is. It is. I don't want to scare people off when I say what I'm about to say. So just bear with me here. There's an episode that deals with the Senate 
and a representative trying to be the voice of the clones as a people, that they should have a voice within the Empire, that they are not just these disposable robots. They're not, they're not droids. They are people, and they've developed over the course of the seven seasons of the Clone Wars, and, and as we're going into the Bad Batch themselves when they were introduced and seeing them in this series, these are individuals. They have lives. Yeah. They have dreams. They have wants and desires. And some of the cameos we get from clones and characters from the Clone Wars uh, that appear in this develop that idea even further, that these aren't just faceless drones. These are men. These are people. Yeah. My favorite part of the season, there's a scene where like a, a random clone goes off duty and he, and he goes into this brothel and uh, he lays on this uh, prostitute's lap and he just has her sing Tim lullabies. <laughs> And then he slashes her throat. Wait a minute. What are you watching? There's, oh, wait. They, that might have been the Unsullied on Game of Thrones. <laughs> very close to clones, though. It's very close. Very close. But, but we have seen in the Clone Wars, we've seen a few clones, like, settle down. Like, go mm-hmm, AWOL, mm-hmm. meet a woman, say, you know what? I'm going to just live off the grid on this farm. And, uh, in fact, uh, I think it's Cut Laquane was his name. Uh he showed up in season one. Mm-hmm. It's remarkable how many of these clones you remember from the original Clone Wars series and the feature films come back uh, in this latest season. Cody, Rex, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gregor, uh, you know, Scorch, you know, there's also some new guys. And, and by the way, can we just say D. Bradley Baker oh. is the MVP of this series? Yes, yes absolutely. He voices every single clone and he makes each of them distinct. I mean, I don't know if that guy gets paid by the hour, <laughs> by the character, by the character <laughs> yeah. what, but he is worth every penny. Yeah. yeah, he should never do live action again, but he should keep doing these voices. <laughs> do you, I'm curious, of Clone Force 99, of our main characters, do you two have a favorite? I, I'll, Ooh, I'll say mine. Wrecker makes me smile. Everything that he does in his dumb, brute way, I'm always like happy. And and something that this series started, something I had to come to terms with as I'm watching this is like, no one is safe in this show. Yeah. we. And it took me way too long to kind of come to terms with that. It was later in the season where I'm like, you know what? Every one of these characters is disposable. And therefore, the tension in a prequel series, yes, you know where this is going. You know what some characters' outcomes you know what the outcome of some characters' lives are. But there are a ton of characters in this that have no lore. They have no history. So they are up for grabs. And and that just helps mount the tension within the show. And this season, there are a whole lot of one-and-done clones. They're like, wow, this guy's really cool. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Uh, because this is a really bad time for the clones. Mm-hmm. I mean, Obi-Wan said it in 1977, you know, before the dark times. Well, this is the dark times. This is when the Empire is starting to rise and towards the tail end of the dark times. This is when the Empire is getting worse and worse and worse. And, you know, what seemed like it could be kind of dealt with at one point is now like, no, we can't turn away from this anymore. We have to get involved. Clone Force 99 are just trying to survive. They're trying to take care of Omega, this little gifted child, who we find out is a clone of Jango Fett as well. Uh, and she's a lovable character, but this season she really does become a true member of the Bad Batch. Yes. But that also means that she has to take on board that, you know, being a clone in this particular galaxy at this time ain't a good thing. Mm-hmm. 
the series is offering up three types of storytelling here. There's the fun, adventurous Saturday morning cartoon, just, oh, that's cool, oh, a pod race episode, that's cool. And then they have the lore building. They are clearly paying attention to everything that's happening on Andor and Mandalorian, and they are working within that realm to help craft the the mythology. And then there are these deep character studies in a cartoon. Like there, uh, There's three... There's two episodes in particular that deal with Crosshair that are outstanding Star Wars. Yeah. Beyond being a cartoon, just top tier Star Wars as far as I'm Come concerned. Come on, TC. You can't say cartoon like that. We saw him order p- them to light villagers on fire last season. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, this is one of the things I love because TC's absolutely right, but so is Doggett. Crosshair is the former member of the Bad Batch who, like the rest of the Bad Batch, has had his inhibitor chip removed and perhaps in the first act of true free will in his entire life he goes you know what i'm sticking with the empire Mm -hmm. i'm down with what they're doing we see crosshair do horrible things and looking badass while doing it (laughs) yeah but he is not a good dude i mean his like this dude would be tried for war crimes Mm -hmm. and there is a great episode which tc has alluded to where we bring back the long-awaited return of Commander Cody, and we see that Cody himself is starting to question his orders. Uh, he he had no problem taking a shot at Obi-Wan, yeah. and he, but now he's like, you know, Cody has his, are we the baddies moment? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas Crosshair's like, I for one welcome our new Imperial <laughs> overlords. Even the score in that episode yeah. is better than anything. Not that this has a bad score. The uh, Let me get this right. Kevin Kiner, yes. His score throughout that that episode in particular, he stepped up his composing game. I've I've gone and he, they released the album of this season already. I recommend checking it out if you want to hear some really great uh, expansions of some of the themes that John Williams has created and some really great original stuff too. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Kevin Kiner has been you know kind of the go to guy in Star Wars animation for a long time, and not only is it sonically really good, but Boy, the animation is so good this season. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Clone Wars, when it first started, it was pretty janky. It was a new thing. You can really see how years of doing Star Wars animation has paid off this season because the animation is top-notch. It's so immersive. And, you know, the writing, the characters are rich. I mean... We barely talked about any of the plot because there are a lot of standalone plots. There are, like we said, a lot of Adventure of the Week type stories. But man, when you start seeing the threads that are going through this, how it connects to the previous films and the later films, it's really doing a lot of heavy lifting. And I can't wait to start talking about some stuff that actually happens. Mm -hmm. So... We're going to start rolling into our final thoughts before we go into the spoilers, because at this point, I think there's a lot of people who haven't tuned into this show yet. And if I have one job as a critic, it's just to try to convince people to take some chances on stuff they might not otherwise try. Mm -hmm. If you saw the trailers for this or the marking and thought, ah, that's just for little kids. There's nothing in it for me. I've got news for you. If you like the Clone Wars animated series, especially the later seasons, I think you're going to like this because this is clearly a Clone Wars spin-off slash sequel. So let's start rolling into our review before the spoiler section. Doggett, would you kick us off, please? I don't want to be sacrilegious here. 
Okay, yes, I do. I, I very much. <laughs> I was like, when do, do you not want to be sacrilegious? Talk? <laughs> but I'm gonna say I enjoy this better than the Clone Wars. I think okay. even with that, even with that last season, which was a great season, there were still like three episodes in there where I was like, this didn't have to be here. <laughs> this is, we, we could have used more of the last four episodes or more of the Bad Batch like uh, uh, pilot uh, backdoor pilot. Yeah, <laughs> I could. And with here, the first and second season, even though there's just like one-off fun episodes, they're so fun and one-off. I don't mind that they exist. I don't mind that they're. I don't mind that everything's not so interconnected. But it kind of is. There's like foreshadowing of events later on, mm-hmm. like how they keep on saying, "Hey, don't trust that lady who's always helping you. She's <laughs> going to fuck you badly." And they're like, "Yeah, she probably will." <laughs> and, uh, it's just a fun show. Uh, the, like Marco said, the animation looks better every year. The the textures, the lighting, and the first season, it pops. It, it really pops the lighting in the show. Like when Crosshair does his first villain moment, and then the 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 doors open, and like his silhouette with his fucking sniper rifle is being shown. <laughs> and it's like I want that as a poster, and I want various shots in the show as posters because it. There's just there's pores. There's pores on their faces. <laughs> and it looks like it looks like wood varnish, but I enjoy the art the artistic aesthetic. And I I think everybody should watch this. I think if you could still watch Ninja Turtles every year, every new adaption, <laughs> if you can watch that every year, then you could watch Star Wars Ninja Turtles and have just as much fun. I'm gonna give this eight out of ten. Ah, time somebody had to leave the crew. (laughs) TC. These characters are so great. I I was particularly happy to see Omega step up into a more interesting active role on the team. And instead of just always getting in trouble and they have to bail her out, they are doing what might be the best job of showing the post-Clone Wars early Empire era that we have in Star Wars media. These shows that have been created over the past couple decades are critical in the world building and more than the Mandalorian and more than Andor and definitely more than Boba Fett and Kenobi. These cartoon series have done the monumental work of making the prequels better. Yeah, The success of modern Star Wars owes nearly everything to Dave Filoni's team and the animated works that they have created. Ahsoka, Cad Bane, the Bad Batch, there are numerous characters that exist because of these shows, and the Bad Batch is no exception. While half these episodes are fun and tangents in the galaxy far, far away, the other half are lore-building goodness. As I said, this show is doing the laborious task of laying the groundwork to improve the rise of Skywalker, which needs a lot of work to be improved Mm -hmm. upon. But that's exactly what these cartoons have been doing since 2003. Fun, adventurous, badass, and a couple of these episodes are on the level of Mandalorian, and I dare say Andor, too. If you love Star Wars and you haven't watched the animated portion of this canon, do yourself a favor and do it. I'm giving the Bad Batch 8 out of 10 banked sniper shots off of tiny mirrors. (laughs) Nice. I mean, I'm with you guys. It took me a long time to warm up to Star Wars and animation. Like I said, those first few episodes of Clone Wars, kind of janky. Hell, that first couple seasons. But over time, I've really just come to appreciate what these guys have been doing on a regular basis and doing it at a level of quality that 
really is better than you would expect it to be. Uh, I know I started this review joking about how it reminds me of the plot of The Mandalorian. <laughs> but what this really reminds me of more than anything is Star Trek Prodigy, which is another show that is animated, geared towards younger viewers, but is actually better than it has any right to be and manages to tell good stories without watering down the things we love about the franchise. The problem is a lot of people, like myself, might look at it and go, well, that's clearly just a little kid show and it has nothing to offer me. And yet, I would argue that those are two of the best things those respective franchises have on the air right now, and I don't think people are talking about them because they're cartoons and because they're aimed at younger viewers. This is a lot darker, I think, than Prodigy, and Prodigy is its own thing. I, I really would say if you want to get into the lore of this, the way TC was talking about, there's some big puzzle pieces in Palpatine's plan that are finally coming to, that are finally falling into place. And where are they happening? They're happening on this little show that I don't think a lot of people are watching. And that's too bad uh, because this is some really uh, exceptional stuff. You may have the occasional, you know, mediocre or merely good episode, but the next episode is going to be incredible. And it just does that all season long. Uh, I have to give this eight out of 10 clouds of Iocane gas that I have developed an immunity to. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> all right. So if you're still listening, we're going into full fucking spoilers here for the last few minutes. Because uh, I just feel like we all have something that we yes. love this season and are just uh, and are just dying to talk about. Uh, Doggett, is there anything in particular this season that just made you go, "Wow, this is incredible"? Uh, when Palpatine does the Uno reverse card, is like, <laughs> "Fuck but yeah!" But what if it's somebody else's fault, dude? My jaw yes. dropped. I, I literally gasped when that played out. I was like, son of a bitch, are you kidding me? Oh my God. You know, you, it is so hard to use Palpatine in, in these kind of shows because a little goes a long way and mm -hmm. he just reminds you of, he brings so much baggage. Andor doesn't even show him. They reference him. They talk about mm -hmm. him, but you never see him. Because in a sh gritty, grounded show like Andor, the minute a magical cackling space wizard shows up, <laughs> Your, all your credibility goes out the window. But here, Palpatine shows up for one scene. Mm -hmm. And he shows up just long enough to remind you why he's one of the greatest villains in all of pop culture. And why Ian McDermott is one of the true MVPs yes. of the entire Star Wars franchise. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, that guy just has a, a great delivery. This is a guy with plans within plans, contingency plans on top of that. He doesn't have to use the force. He doesn't have to use lightning or, you know, blow you up. He just shows up and says, oh, I'm going to seize the political moment, tell people what they need to hear, and suddenly manipulate the entire Senate into doing what I want them to do. Son of a bitch. It's amazing. Of a bitch. It's he great politics. Evil. He's pure evil. He just shows up and is like, I believe you'll find the filibuster fully <laughs> operational. <laughs> you know, and, and I love the way that, we, like I said, we're seeing bits of his plan. I mean, we've had 40 plus years of Star Wars stories to learn uh, Palpatine's insane long game. Mm -hmm. But here we're seeing some of the final pieces fall into place. And I love this Palpatine. It's the Palpatine before the Death Star. Yeah. The Death Star is the big 
milestone. It hasn't happened yet. It's years before the Death Star is operational. So he's still kind of playing this game of like, of course I love democracy. I'm an emperor, but we have a, a parliamentary system. Everybody has a voice. But in 1977, when, you know, we first see, uh, you know, Grand Moff Tarkin on the Death Star, what does he do? He walks in and tells everybody these, the emperor has dissolved the Imperial Senate, mm-hmm. you know. We're going to use this Death Star to keep everything in line and appoint regional governors, blah, blah, blah. This is stuff you're seeing happening in the Bad Batch. Everything is lining up towards what we know is going to happen in 77. Until then, though, he's got to play politics. And boy, Palpatine is good at politics. You brought up Tarkin. And we get in the penultimate episode here, which is so uh, Tarkin, Krennic. They mentioned Stardust, which is the Death Star pro program saw Guerrero sneaks in there into the imperial oh city a lot of rogue one vibes and i am here for it has saw Guerrero ever done anything good for the rebellion that guy fucks everything <laughs> up for everybody he did he did do one good thing he kept Jin urso alive <laughs> yeah okay you ever played jedi fallen order he shows up in that he shows up in that too he shows up all the time but it's just like everything's going great oh fuck saw Guerrero's here God damn it. Let's this be is clear. Let's be clear. The good guys in most of their trilogies win two times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, the Empire Strikes Back nature of this finale is so awesome. As it was like wrapping up, I'm like, this cheeky bastards. The Empire Strike backed us right into this. I, I, of course, there's going to be a third season. And of course, that'll probably be the last season. Why wouldn't it be? The the way this all wrapped up, I was just even and, and we're in spoiler territory here, so you've you've been warned. Talk about it. I should have seen Tech dying coming. They gave him the the sweet goodbye with uh, yeah, Wanda Sykes' yeah. character when it was playing out. It was the, just before that happened is when I realized that these were all disposable characters. So as it was playing out, I was like, "No, Tech." <laughs> Are, are are they going to undo that? I don't know. I didn't see a body. Yeah. You know, classic Star Wars rules, classic movie rules, period. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you don't see a body, you don't know that guy's dead. Nobody, no death. Uh, uh, and, and I'm torn because at one point, I think it would cheapen his sacrifice. On the other hand, I would be as happy as anybody if, if Tech you. came back. Because you asked, who's your favorite character? And it's it's probably kind of Tech <sighs> yeah. for me. You know, a character who is coded as autistic Season one, I think, focused a lot on Hunter and everybody's fan favorite, Wrecker. Mm. But season two really leans into Echo and Tech. And I was like, the whole time, I'm like, man, we're spending too much time with these characters I love. Something <laughs> bad's going to happen. In hindsight, they gave him and Omega a whole episode <laughs> together where they got trapped in the caves. And he was just, and in hindsight, I'm like, oh, man, they were they were setting this up all season. Jesus Christ. Yeah. They kind of just laid it out there, TC. You're right. I mean, the fact that, you know, you have these heart-to-heart moments. Mm-hmm. And these are the that's the kind of episode that, it, look, even David Filoni makes fun of it now. It's like, filler episodes? What are you talking about? <laughs> Every time there's a so-called filler episode, it usually has a great character moment or introduces a new character or concept or plot point mm-hmm. that's going to become really important later. The fact that they set so much stuff up and... Didn't pay it off in the finale? Yes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they didn't make, give us a satisfying finale. They just didn't give us what we thought we were getting. And they gave us something different and pushed a lot of that stuff into season three. Mm-hmm. That's daring to... to and, and you realize how hard it is to actually surprise me these <laughs> yeah, days? <right? laughs> 
leave an air here for Daggett to come in. Oh, no, it's like you guys are just I don't know. I, I look I whenever there's a circle jerk happening, I just like stay clear and let, let everybody finish first. <laughs> but no, I <laughs> I I just love this season. I I do. And you know, I can't wait for next season to open up with Wrecker wearing his glasses. Aww. You know, Aww. something like that. And yeah, I think he's dead. I, I, I usually wouldn't say this, but there's clones. They'll find another smart clone. <laughs> well, Echo, <laughs> it, there was a point early in the season before Echo was exited out. I was just thinking how redundant Echo felt because him and Tech sort of accomplished the same things as far as like a party is concerned. When they exited him out, I was like, okay, good. We have more room to explore Tech and Wrecker and Hunter. And, uh, and season one did a lot more development of Hunter than I think they needed to in this season. Like he is the most defined of the, of the group. Um, so yeah, making room for tech to develop was great. And then in hindsight, again, I'm saying, ah, oh, geez, I should have seen this coming. <laughs> Sons of bitches. <laughs> I just yeah. like Hunter because he has that beautiful Latino hair. Yeah, <laughs> I know he's got great. Marco hair. knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. I wish I had that kind of volume. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he's got, I mean, okay, he has an unfortunate face tattoo, but I mean, what are you going to do? The guy looks like, you know, a leaner cut Rambo. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I love all of these characters and that is ultimately what a TV show has the biggest advantage of. Are there filler episodes? Yes. Sometimes there's some delayed gratification. Yes. Some plot lines get dragged out longer than you'd expect, but you know, in a in a movie, you don't have a lot of time to fuck around. You have a limited amount of time to tell your story. Whereas in TV, you get to hang out with these characters every week. And if you love the characters, mm-hmm. then, you know, you don't mind it. I think even with Omega, I can't wait to see that character in live action one yeah. day. Because Omega is going to be so badass. Because she is being trained by every single member of the Bad Batch. I mean, come on, let's face it. They're the Dad Batch. The Dad Batch, yeah. <laughs> All of her fathers are teaching her how to, like, blow shit up, fly planes, you know, hack computers, you know, how to scout, how to track, how to, you know, strategize. And on top of that, she's just really kind and caring and empathetic, and she's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I just don't know how the hell they bring her back because, you know, by the time she's old enough, she should be in uh, the original trilogy Mm -hmm. winning all the Star Wars. Oh, they can make shit up. Oh, the female clone was actually designed to age slower. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, no, that is the thing. She is a pure genetic clone. Like Boba Fett, she is a clone that was not given any growth enhancement whatsoever. There's no age acceleration. And I love the fact that Physically, developmentally, Omega is the youngest member of the Bad Batch. But actually, in terms of years, she's the oldest member. That's true. She's older than the Bad Batch. And it's kind of implied that they might have been cloned from her cell line. And and that's one of the reasons why she talks about it in season one. Like, I saw you guys growing up. I saw you when you were born. It's one of the reasons why she loves them so much. Man. Well, I'm excited to see what they do with season three, and and we, we can wrap up here. I'm sure, Marco, you're looking at that time and going editing, uh, but yeah, I hope people give this a shot. I hope people watch this. Uh, it's it's such a good piece of Star Wars. We we are living in the era of the best Star Wars in a long, long time, folks. The era where where, where the Kenobi show sucked, the Boba Fett show sucked, and this random show about. <laughs> Uh, the, the reject clones is some of the best Star Wars world guests. Yeah, what like, the hell? Who would have known? Who would have guessed? You know, who would have guessed? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to paraphrase Frank Zappa. 
what he said. This is a great fucking time to be a Star Wars fan. And if you don't think this is a great time to be a fucking Star Wars fan, then I wish you would leave now because this show is going to bum you out so much. (laughs) This is a great time to be a Star Wars fan. We're getting great stuff. You've heard TC say it. You've heard Doggett say it. You're hearing me say it. This is some of the best Star Wars uh, we've seen. It's going to fill you over until they you know, launch another movie and ruin it all over again. Until then, the EU guys are cleaning the shit up and trying to make it look nice. So a big hand to those guys. Well, I mean, how much are you guys going to, how much are you guys going to spend for the action figures? I'll go as far as a hundred dollars for the set. Just for the set, not individually. For, for all, for all, uh, 10 inch action figures of the crew with like movable joints. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't do the toy thing, but you know, <laughs> hey, if I could get a Lego of a uh, yes, of the yes, Havoc Marauder, Marco, we could see the that. difference between your walls and TC's walls. <laughs> yeah, well, this is where this is a place where work gets done, man. <laughs> well, as we wrap up here, I'm glad you guys you know made some time for me. Uh, unfortunately, I do have to make an admission: I'm actually not TC. I'm one of his clones. Oh, uh, I'm shit. responsible for yeah, yeah. I'm the I'm the podcasting clone. And the the other clone, they're they're out doing their own thing. So, I guess the truth is finally out. And and as Palpatine, he wouldn't want it any other way. I'm gonna have to execute you too. I was wondering why you were black in this. <laughs> <laughs> the face tattoo should have given it away. 